Come on. Go ahead. Oh, Lord. And again, come on. Oh, praise the Lord our God, oh praise His name Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And... Um, Whenever your word is preached by one of your called servants, um, the most amazing dynamic takes place. Uh, Lord, this is not a speech. This is not a gathering of uh, a political gathering or a social gathering. Uh, we are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of heaven. And we are expecting miracles to take place as I speak. We believe that you will watch over your word. And you will perform it creatively, miraculously, as I am preaching. We give you praise in great expectancy. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Fantastic. You okay? I said this morning in the first service, it's like preaching in the A&E in the Gwent. Look, looking at you. Ah, this word, this phrase has been on my spirit um, ever since Pastor Dave asked me to, to minister this morning. This phrase that I'm about to declare to you um, has not, was, not only, was not only a word from God that radically changed my life, but I believe this morning that those of you here and those of you listening online, if you receive what God has for you this morning, your life will radically change. They think it's all over. Watch this. And uh, my imagination runs wild when they took Jesus down from the cross, and the Bible says that he went into hell. He went, I call it the silent Saturday, when it seems like nothing was happening. I shared this last time. And use your imagination. So here's Jesus' body arriving into death. There is a spirit of death. As well as the devil, there is a spirit in charge of death, pre-cross. And uh, Jesus' body went down into death. And I can imagine uh, on the first day of his arrival, uh, the, the devil got a little bit nervous. So he rings up death. Six, six. What do you expect on a Sunday morning? I know it's cheesy, right? Six. So death rings up. He says, hello, is devil. What is this? I've never had a phone call from you. Well, I'm just checking uh, how many came in today. And death would say, well, about 785. What's the problem? Uh, I'm just checking, is that one of those Jesus of Nazareth? 
He said, what do you, why are you asking this question? I'm just checking because um, he seems to be a little bit different. So I'm checking, is he there? So, the, so definitely, yeah, I'm looking at him. He's lying on the floor. I mean, he's dead. He said, devil, why are you ringing me and asking me? Because nobody has ever escaped my clutches. Nobody has ever escaped this place since Adam freely gave us authority to the earth. Nobody. Go back, enjoy your party. Stop being so nervous. So the devil put the phone down. And on the second day, the devil rings again. And, and, and death answers the phone. And he says, devil, why are you ringing me again? Well, I'm just checking. Is Jesus of Nazareth still there? He said, name me one person that has escaped my clutches since Adam handed the authority to us. Name me one. None. Go back. Stop. Let me do my job. You do yours and let me do mine. Okay. <laughs> then on the third day, the devil gets a phone call. And it's from death. And he's stammering, and he's stuttering, and he doesn't know what to say. And he's saying, the, 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 and the devil's saying, spit it out, death, what's going on down there? Well, he said, I've never ever seen anything like this before. But you know that Jesus of Nazareth, he's actually standing up and looking into my face with a look I've never seen ever in my life. And for the first time in my existence, I'm scared. And the devil says, listen, you better hold him. You've got to stop him rising from the dead. Because if he rises from the dead, we've lost our hold on humanity. We can't control them with fear or sickness or disease or depression. And devil screams down the phone, death, you better hold him. But my Bible tells me, come on, you're way ahead of me right here. My Bible tells me death could not hold him. And Jesus rose from the dead. Somebody better say amen right here in this house. You see, they thought it was all over. But it's God who gets the last word. And the application is very simple, and I want you to... Give me your ear and give me your heart. Give the Holy Ghost some space in your life this morning. Because if God can get his son out of hell, don't you think he can get you out of yours? And I don't know whether it's a circumstantial hell you're in this morning, whether it's a physical hell, whether it's an emotional hell, a financial hell, and circumstances, the voice of circumstance is saying, it's all over for you. And the voice of sickness is saying, it's all over for you. And the voice of your emotions and your reason are saying, it's all over for you. No, God says, they say it's all over, but I say, watch this. God is about to do a creative miracle in your life if you believe this word this morning. Can I hear a big amen right here? Lean in and listen. Those of you that are listening online, get ready to receive something from God. These words were spoken to me 
um, when I was going through my own private hell, and uh, the reason why this word comes with authority is because this is not just uh, a, a, a truth from God's word that I'm declaring to you, but it's a word that has had its powerful effect in my life. And I remember lying on my bed. The circumstances were crying out. When I felt surrounded by the hopelessness of my situation. When I was surrounded by people who desired my failure. Isn't that sad? That even in the church, because of envy, jealousy, bitterness, pride, ego, whatever it is, Sometimes this horrible thing rises within us and we, we actually get the, the desire to rejoice over somebody else's failure. That's why we need the Holy Ghost in our lives and the fruit of the Holy Ghost. And I was sadly um, bombarded with voices that said, it's over for you, Ray. When my own self-doubt and condemnation rose up, with a megaphone to say, it's all over. I would say despair was a very mild description of how I felt. But I am here today to tell you, they thought it was all over. I thought it was all over. But God says, Ray, watch this. And I'm not only survived, but I am thriving. Come on, somebody say amen. Because when God gets you out, not only does he save you, but he rejuvenates you or ate you or what rejuvenate, whatever that word is, I've, I'm it. Amen. I'm telling you now, I'm a 19-year-old living in a body like this and it's frustrating, let me tell you. I walk past a, a shop window and I say, who's that old man in there? And it's me, but it's... But, I, but see, the thing is, man, don't look at yourself with a reflection of circumstance. Don't look at you with a reflection of what other people are saying about you. You see yourself as God sees you. Come on, man. Oh, no. And the question I'm going to ask, you know what? I, 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 during the 26 years I pastored here, there was one particular season when a friend, friend of mine who was a pastor to pastors, and his job was traveling around the country, helping pastors through crisis. And he came here during this season. And he said to me, Ray, I have never seen so much stacked up against a pastor as I see you right now. And so when God saw me through it, he says, I am absolutely amazed that you not only survived, but you came out not even smelling of smoke but thriving. And I declare to you from God's word and my own personal experience, I don't know who or what is saying to you, it's all over. Now, God has sent this little hobbit from the shire to tell you with his word in my mouth, God says, Nana, watch this. Come on, give God praise. If you're going to praise him, praise him. And I read the Bible I'm so glad the Bible doesn't hide the mistakes and the weaknesses and the trials of his servants. 
God is blessing you in spite of you, not because of you. So we all know you're a plonker, so just accept it. Without the grace of God, none of us would be here. Do you know, do you realize that most of the Bible was written by three murderers? Sort that one out in your head. Not, not three perfect people. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. And then the Osama bin Laden of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he was a murderer. No, man, it's not about your faithfulness or your perfection. It's about his. <laughs> Come on. Somebody say amen. And when I read the Bible, there are hundreds of incidents in the Bible, but it looked like it was all over for people. But God. <laughs> but God spoke. But God commanded. But God rebuilt. But God opened. But God blew. But God protected. But God blessed. Somebody help me in this place right here. But God turned. But God touched. But God restored. But God resurrected. No, man. They think it's all over. God says, watch this. And what I'm going to share with you are some of the incidents that I believe have a great application to our lives. The first one, and in the first service, I only got through half of this, okay? So let's, let's see where we go with this one. Think about creation. I was thinking about creation, okay? And I'm reading Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And God um, exploded my heart with revelation I'd never seen before. And as I read these verses and go through this, perhaps it will describe your life right now. Genesis 1 verse 1 to 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was. I want you to remember that little word was. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Hmm. Now when I read that verse and did a little bit of study, I discovered that many scholars believe that there was a gap, a space, between verse 1 and verse 2. Because they believed that the word was could also be translated in Hebrew, became. Now, let me read it again with that insight, okay? With this belief. So then they would read it like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth became without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And they argued that when God creates, he never creates chaos. He never creates ugliness or darkness. So something must have happened between an original creation and the recreation. Interesting thought. And many of them say that they believe that when Satan was thrown out of heaven with a third of the angels which became demons, when they, when they came crashing into God's created earth, that's when the darkness and the void and the ugliness was created. It's just a very interesting perception. 
And you, you could read it, the earth was created perfectly because God doesn't create anything that's not perfect. And because of Satan's fall, because of Satan crashing with God's perfect creation, the whole thing was messed up. What had previously been perfect was now ruined and desolate and unhabitable. Isn't that an interesting theory? But whatever the case, when I thought about that, I thought, wow, that has a real practical implication to this message. Because whatever the case, it looked like a chaotic mess. Whatever the case, it looked like it was over. Satan's, Satan's evil uh, nature and design crashed into God's perfect creation and messed it up. And when I thought about that, I thought, wow, it looked like it was all over. But the verse carries on and says this, and God spoke. <laughs> I could spend three hours right there. I probably will. And God spoke. Here's the application. What evil thing has come crashing into a world that God created. On Monday, your world was full of beauty and joy. Your world was in order. But I don't know. What is it that's come crashing into your world? And you're sitting here this morning and listening online. And you're thinking, what has happened here? What has happened to this wonderful destiny God created for me? What is happening in my body? God did not create me to be sick. God did not create me to be involved in a relationship that is toxic and bringing so much unhappiness. What's happened? Some of you may relate to it right now. And the devil and other voices is saying like they said to me, it is all over for you. Now, listen to me. God says, you think it's all over? Hey, listen, watch this. And God spoke. Praise the name of Jesus. And I'll say this, whenever my world, for whatever reason, becomes dark and chaotic and void, the first thing I do now, I have to learn this. The first thing I do when something comes crashing into something, causing chaos and disorder, and I don't know what to do, and my emotions are running wild, and my reason is questioning what is going on. Is God there? Uh, you know, what's happening to me? What, the first thing I do is, is, is settle down and breathe. And I say this, God, what do you say about this situation? What does your word say? How do you see it? And you know what? When I get into that place, God begins to speak and changes the whole city. Well, actually, it may not change the situation, but it changes me. It changes my perspective. It changes how I see it. So all these voices are saying, it's over. It's over. You're finished. You're done. No, God and God spoke. And when God speaks, I'm telling you what comes. Peace comes. Hmm. Are you still with me this morning? 
See, because the Bible says in Hebrews that God's word can divide between soul and spirit. So when chaos hits your life and your soul is trying to make sense of it, your soul is trying to respond to it, your soul is trying to give answers to the mess. And very often your emotions and your reasoning cannot respond to the chaos That's when you need to get to God's word and say, God, speak to me because God will divide between your your unreasonable and your emotions and it will stabilize you. Say, no, this is how I see it. Come on, man. This is how I see it. And he says, Ray, agree with me. Don't agree with what your emotions are saying. Don't agree with what people are saying. Don't agree with what the circumstance. Let the word divide. That's there. Come over onto my side. Man. Somebody say amen right here. Mm. God's word is the stabilizer in the storm. It's the light in the darkness. It's the peace in the void. And I could preach on each one of these statements I'm about to say to you right now, but I, I just want to give them out for you to meditate on and think. God's word will divide between deceptive voices. And they can come from your, your, your emotions or your reason or other people. The word of God, when God and God spoke, and it divides between deceptive voices and divine perspective. That's the difference. It divides from emotional voices and devotional choices. We don't make our choices based on our emotions. We, we, we make our choices based upon and God spoke. It divides between circumstantial externals. To spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is this. According to God's word, everything is subject to change. The the devil is saying, it's permanent for you. No, God says, everything is subject to change when I speak. Man, come on somebody. The Bible says, we can call those things which are not. As though they are. <laughs> there is power. God said to a friend of mine once, He said, your, My word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my own mouth. We don't realize the power we have in our tongue, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we better start agreeing with what God says, not with what other voices say. Somebody say, yay! Anyway, thank you. You're very obedient. And there may be many voices right now speaking hopelessness into your world. Don't add to it. Don't add to it. Let me just, let me just, what am I? Right, okay, let me just say this. We're doing good here. Are you, are you still out there? Now, how, how do we know that we are hearing God's word? I know it sounds like a simplistic question, but you know the devil can use God's word. 
The devil can speak to you using God's word and try to convince you it's God. He tried it with Jesus in the desert. He actually, the devil actually quoted scripture from Deuteronomy. But Jesus could discern who was using the word. Come on, somebody, say amen. Jesus could discern, no, that's not the way my father speaks. So this is so important to know. And God just gave me this, just, just this morning I wrote it. I had the revelation before, but this morning before I came to the service, God says, include this in the message. How do you know when it's God that's using his word to speak to you? I'm so glad you asked the question. Because here's the answer. Watch this. God's word will always be creative and graceful, never demanding or guilt-based. It will taste, God's word will have a, a special taste. According to Jesus, God's word has a special taste in your mouth, in your spiritual being. It will taste of bread, it will taste of fish, and it will taste of eggs. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, Ray, you need to go and have a good meal. You're hungry. That's why you th no, listen. Watch this. In Matthew, I think Jesus says this. We know the scripture, but it'll make sense. If you children ask for bread, do you give them a stone? How many of you know bread tastes different to stone? Every time you eat the stone, all the best for that one. So he says, if you children, if your children uh, ask you for fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for fish or an egg, do you give them a scorpion? And I thought about the scripture. I thought Jesus is describing how God's word will taste to us when he speaks. So you can discern. Look at this. Stones. Yet when your child asks you for bread, you don't give them a stone. And I thought, my God, for years, God's people have been stoned from the pulpit. And sad to say, I've been one of those preachers before I had a revelation of the grace of God. I was throwing stones from the pulpit. No, no, God says, I want to give my people bread. If I ask you as a father to give bread to your children, I'm just telling you what I want to give to mine. And for years, God's people have been stoned from the pulpit in, in, instead of the sustaining bread of grace, heaven's manna. They've been beaten and bruised by stones of law, judgment, and guilt. And instead of a garden bursting with color and vitality, uh, the garden of God has been vandalized by legalism and law, fed stones instead of bread. I'm teaching you how to discern who is using God's word to speak to you. Come on, somebody say amen right here. And if it tastes like stone, you know this isn't God saying it. Then he talks about snakes. He said, I wouldn't give my children snakes. I would give them fish. He's talking about his word. 
He's talking about how he feeds his people, how he speaks to us. And for years, the church has been poisoned by snake venom instead of tasty fish, cod and chips, with vinegar and house curry. Oh, anyway, uh, I'm ready for dinner now. Do you know fish is one of the healthiest food you can eat? One of the healthiest foods you can eat. That's why law-based teaching is so criminal. It not only will rob you of spiritual health, but it will fill your heart with the venom of Phariseeism. You'll be living like this. That's why it's important that we understand God wants his children to eat fish. Come on, somebody said. Healthy, healthy food. Then, then, then what about scorpions? He says, if your children ask you for food, you don't, you don't give them, if, you, if they ask you for eggs, you don't give them scorpions. So next on this godless menu is scorpion soup. And the church has been fed copious amounts of, scorp of scorpion soup when all along God wants to serve you eggs any way you want them. Poached eggs, fried eggs, omelette, Spanish omelette, whatever else eggs you eat, pork, whatever, you know what I'm saying? In other words, God will find a way to meet your need, whatever the circumstances or emotional state you're in, with his word. Come on, man, somebody better say amen right here. Eggs, not not scorpion soup. And the thing about scorpions is when I looked at, when I thought about scorpions, uh, I, I thought to myself, well, the scorpion is very, very subtle because its sting is in its tail. Law-based preaching is the same. Its sting is in its butt. Its sting is in its butt. God has forgiven you for all your sins, but it's someone serving up scorpions to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, all your sins of your past have been forgiven, but you better be careful because if you sin, a certain sin in your future, you could lose your salvation because of your behavior Oh, yeah, it does say there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But am I talking to the right people here? No, no. When God speaks, he does not serve stones or snakes or scorpions, but bread, fish, and eggs. Ha, I, I love it. So God spoke. And God spoke. Let me just find all my notes. I've got loads of them here. That's it. And God spoke. There may be many, many voices speaking hopelessness into your world right now. And those of you watching also, please don't add your voice to it. Start agreeing with, and God spoke. 
the voice of internal guilt and shame, the voice of depression and darkness, the voice of circumstantial disorder, the voice of ugly criticism and abuse. But listen to me. They are all voices that become irrelevant when God speaks. My God. God always has the final word concerning the outcome of your life and the completion of your destiny. And there have been many voices over the years as I was part of this church here, uh, pastoring the church, that seemingly reduced my world to a chaotic mess. But God spoke. Thank you, Jesus. I've heard the voice of mutiny and betrayal. I've heard the voice of self-doubt. I've heard the voice of demonic threat and witchcraft. They've all come at me. They've all come at this house. I remember one time going through this real difficult situation, and I'm in my house. I get a knock on the door. When I opened the door, this man burst into my house, grabbed me by the throat and had me up against the wall and said, you're finished in this city. <laughs> well, I am still here and I'm still serving Jesus and I'm still praising the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? And as he had me up against the wall, he said, it's over for you. God says, you think it's over? Hey, baby, watch this. I woke up one morning to, to find my house. I couldn't find my car because someone had dumped a half a ton of horse manure on my car. I thought, somebody doesn't like me. <laughs> and I went to the front of the house. It was covered with eggs. What were they saying? <laughs> they were saying, it's finished. We're after you. You're done. <laughs> no, no. I just cleaned the crap off my car, and I cleaned the front of my house, and now I'm still here. Come on, somebody say amen right here. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll have voices that will tell you it's over. Yeah. And the loudest voice is the one that comes from within you. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, what about the witches? There was a nice, there's another one. The, the police came to see me. They said, we are very concerned about you, Reverend. I love it when people call me Reverend. We're very, I said, why? Well, they said, we've been dealing with um, um, a very, uh, like a dark coven that, that meets up in Wentwood, in the, in the forests. And there's animal sacrifice involved, and we are dealing with it. I said, well, what's that going to do with me? I said, I, I'd be nowhere near Wentwood. I... I don't, be, I don't sacrifice animals. My, my son did kill his hamster once, but that's got nothing to do with it. So, it, so and he stuffed him and everything. So the hamster was this size when he stuffed him. Anyway, so I said, why are you telling me this? He said, because we found where the coven, the coven was meeting and we found a burnt piece of paper with your name on it. So obviously, you were the center of their attention and their, 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 their motives towards you were not when they were dancing around that cauldron with your name on a piece of paper half burned. I don't think that's good news for you, Mr. Mr. Reverend. And do you know what? Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm on the hit list of the witches. Hey, 
and they and they are dancing, and they're dancing, and and they're and they're burning my name on a piece of paper, and they're saying, Reverend, it's all over for you. God says, Really, watch this. Come on, somebody, say Amen. I don't care what voice is speaking to you, and God spoke. Come on, let's say it together. And God spoke. Say it one more time. And God spoke. Wow. A friend of mine, Reinhard Bonker, who's in heaven now. I learned a lot from Reinhard when it comes to this. One word can freak the devil out. Destroy him. One word. God doesn't mince words. He doesn't need to. In the beginning, God. Watch this. And God created the heavens and the earth. One line. Do you know scientists are filling up rooms? <laughs> Trying to discover how things were created. God says, I'm telling you how it was created. And God spoke. <laughs> no argument. You, you haven't got to use lots of words. you just got to understand. When God speaks, it's done. Come on, somebody say amen right here. And Reinhardt was preaching in Africa. A, a, a half a million people in this field. And um, it was in, I think, Nigeria. And the witches did not want Reinhardt to conduct this crusade. So they had a plan. We will fly in the head witch from America. This woman could kill a bird in flight. Witchcraft is real. Power of the enemy is real. She, she, could, she, had, she had so sold her spirit to the devil. She was the highest witch in America. So they paid for her flight to come to stand in the service of that half a million people and curse Reinhardt. <laughs> to stop him from preaching. Reinhardt didn't know what was going on. He didn't know all this. So there the witches, they were in there, and they were all there, and they were waiting in, in anticipation. And the head witch was there, ready to curse Reinhardt when he walked out onto the platform. And Reinhardt walked out on the, onto the platform, and he went like this. Hallelujah! The witch fell to the ground, shaking on the ground. They had to carry her out of the service because they thought she was going to die. One hallelujah from the mouth of God's servant flattened Satan to his feet. Come on, somebody, say amen. No, man, and God spoke. And I don't know what voices are speaking to you. It's time to line up yourself with God's word and say, Lord, what do you say about this situation? What, what do I need to confess in this situation? And, and just agree with God. Can you give the Lord a big clap right here? Man. And God spoke. God always has the final word, and God says, we know it well. We need to quote this every day. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know my plans for you. Hmm. Sickness has a plan for you, but it's not God's plan. Coronavirus has a plan for you, but it's not God's plan. 
relational heartache may be the plan for you, but it's not God's plan. God says, I know my plans for you. Plans for good and not disaster. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The question I'm asking you is this. Has your world become something other than God created it to be? What's crashed into your world? Causing chaos and disorder. And you know, one of the most destructive voices, I'll bring this to a call. I didn't share this in the, the last service, but um, I'll do it in this one if I have it here. One of the most destructive voices that seeks to devastate the social atmospheric world of our young people is the voice of culture energized by the God of this world. You've got to understand that the culture of this world that opposes the culture of the Bible is from hell. And we have to be wise. Now watch this. Now we can use the culture of this world, but not be controlled by it. That's why we can use television. We can use social media. But if we don't understand who is in who is controlling this culture, if we don't use it with the wisdom of God, it can affect you. Love not the world, neither the things in the world, this godless system. Now watch this. One of the most destructive voices, the voice of culture, in the middle of the best connected generation ever. Suicide among 16 to 24-year-olds is increasing. Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms, watch, designed to eradicate loneliness and designed to eradicate insecurity has been found to actually create it. Someone wrote in a book, is Facebook making us lonely? And there is a growing fear that Facebook is actually interfering with our real relationships. What's happening? The voice of culture, energized by the God of this world, is creating a polluted social atmosphere so that young people are breathing toxic air. They are breathing toxic relational air. The air of darkness and chaos and emptiness. And it is a fact that researchers have discovered there is a direct link between the rise of jealousy and depression and the use of social media. Here's, the, here's a quote. Uh, I'll read you this quote if I can find it amongst all these bits of paper here. It's here somewhere. Where's that? Oh, here it is. I'm reading a book. It's a great book. I, I advise you get it. It's by a guy called John Eldridge. And um, the title of the book is called uh, Get Your Life Back. And this, listen to this quote. Part of the reason Facebook makes people feel socially isolated, even though they may not actually be, is the comparison factor. We fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to others as we scroll through our feeds. And we make judgments about how we measure up. One study looked 
at how we make comparisons to other posts in upward and downward directions. That is, feeling that we are either better or worse off than others. It turned out that both types of comparisons made people feel worse, which is surprising since in real life, only upward comparison, feeling another person has it better than you, makes people feel bad. But in the social network world, it seems that any kind of comparison is linked to depressive symptoms. I don't know. I tend to agree with that. There is something that is cause. You see the voice of culture. And, and, and it's creating the emptiness. And it's creating the chaos. Listen to me. It's time that God's people began to agree with God and speak into a chaotic, empty, lonely world and say, hey, I don't know what's destroyed that beautifulness and that wonderful order in your life, <clears throat> but I've come to tell you, and God spoke, and he said, let there be light. Come on, man. Come on, man. Listen to me very carefully. You see, when God speaks, when God speaks, it just doesn't end there. When, when the Bible says, and God says, let there be light, it's in the continuous sense. So basically, it, 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 this, is, this is what it means. And God said, let there be light. Light, 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 light. Scientists are now discovering the universe is expanding. It's not stopping God. When God said, let there be light, whenever he said it, I'm telling you, it is it is expanding and is expanding and creating continually. So when God speaks into your life and God said, let there be light and out of chaos came order, out of desolation came form, out of ugliness, came beauty, out of darkness came light. Your world, once ordered and beautiful and productive, for some reason has now become formless and dark and ugly. And you think it's all over. And the voices are saying it's all over. And the devil is saying it's all over. And people think it's all over. But God says, watch this. I am about to recreate your world. I am about to speak beauty into your ugliness life into your death, joy into your sadness, order into your disorder, light into your darkness. And do you know how you do it? It comes out of here. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. God's not going to speak in an audible voice. He's already spoken, but he's put his spirit in your heart and his word in your mouth is as powerful as his word in his own mouth. Come on, somebody, time has gone, but I think we should just give the Lord some praise in this house and thank him right here. Come on, man, give him praise in this house. Just stand with me right now. If you have received the word of God this morning, say amen right here. Thank you. Out of the mouth of babes and children. Yeah, beautiful. The answer is right here. Are you, what, voice, what voice are you listening to that tells you it's over? Well, it's time to agree with God and say, you think it's all over? Watch this. 
Start to speak prosperity into your lack. Start to speak joy into your depression. Start to speak health into your sickness. Start to speak order out of your chaos. And watch what God will do. Because God can do nothing unless his word is out there. The Holy Spirit, it says, hovered over the face of the waters. What was he waiting for? And God spoke. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word that has come powerful this morning. And I pray for every single person here. I don't, I don't care what voice. I don't care what, what, what evil thing has crashed into their world. Making it ugly and chaotic and void. I, I don't know how their world has become. But your word can recreate beauty out of that ugliness. Order out of that chaos. Peace into that storm. So Father, in the name of Jesus... I speak order into the chaos. I speak health into the sickness. I speak joy into the depression. Ha. I speak financial prosperity into that lack in the name of Jesus. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen, and give the Lord a big clap right here. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask Pastor Ray to pray for us again. And we did this um, in the first service. Do you know, many of you will know that like any local church, this local church has gone through many different seasons. You know, sometimes it's been on, you know, in the heights, and sometimes it's been in the depths. And like working with Pastor Ray for many years, you get to understand and you get to see somebody up close. And do you know, like amidst many things that Pastor Ray has in his life, gifts that God has given him, there are two things that I continually saw, whether, <clears throat> whether the season was prosperous or whether it was a winter season and it was cold and dark. Two things, two really important things. He knew how to listen to the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? And make decisions, like he said this morning, make decisions in relation to that voice that he's heard, God's word. Even sometimes when that voice has gone against what, many would have believed to have been right to do. Even sometimes when it's gone against the grain, he's listened to that voice and made decisions in light of what he's heard, right? So he's heard the voice of God throughout many different seasons, through the, through the high times and the low times. But also, another characteristic, right? Throughout all of the variances of the history of this church, his personal life, 
our personal lives as he's pastored us is this wonderful attribute of joy. Joy. He has joy in his heart, right? Irrespective of what's happening in his life. I mean, when he talked about half a ton of horse manure, <laughs> I, te- I couldn't stop laughing. I just, but do you know what? That's, that's, that's evil. That is, we can laugh about it now, right? That is evil. When somebody does that, when somebody grabs you by the throat, pins you up against the wall and says, you're over. Or people, you know, this, this happened, he, you know, when a threat was on his life. You know, I'm going to kill you. Now, just imagine having that, waking up to that. Lots of, different, lots of different things. But in the midst of all of that, right, what, I, what I've observed, something in Pastor Ray's life as a result of Jesus in his life, right, is joy. Joy, the joy of the Lord is his strength. And what we did in the first service, and I really do believe, you know, that we should do it now because this is for all of us as a church family. I'm going to ask Pastor Ray to pray, right, for an impartation of joy, right, and for us to live in this joy, this same joy that Jesus has given him, right, Let's pray that we will have this same joy. Hello, sweetheart. You are fantastic. She gave me a marshmallow earlier. She's absolutely wonderful. I'll have one in a minute, right? But let's pray, right? Let's let's be expectant to have this joy, irrespective of the circumstances we're in, what's ahead of us, whatever. Joy, joy that cannot be disturbed or interrupted or broken, and also this sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Ghost. He prayed for me many years ago to have this sensitivity to listening to God's voice, the Holy Spirit. My goodness, I'd have to stop the car, pull in the lay-by, and I'd just be writing, writing. Or, I, you know, I, he'd come in work and he'd start to speak to me, the Holy Spirit. I'd have to go to the toilet and write it all down on little scraps of paper. God does that. Now, we're going to open our hearts right now and we're going to ask Pastor Ray to pray. Lift your hands up, right? Let's be in that posture of receiving right now. The Holy Spirit is going to do something. You're going to have an impartation and a new sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit and the joy of of the Lord is going to be your strength. You're going to know it. It's going to be in abundance, in abundance, in abundance, like a river within you. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus right now, I place the syringe of your word into the, into the destructive earwax of spiritual hearing. That wax in our ears, the wax of hurt and disappointment, bitterness that, that blocks us hearing clearly right now in your name, I, I, I wash that out. Lord, I, Lord, syringe the spiritual ears of your people so they can hear your voice clearly. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand here and I thank you for the fruit 
of the Spirit. It's got nothing to do with our personality. It's got nothing to do with whether good things are happening or bad things. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It's got nothing to do with our temperament. And I pray in Jesus' name, Father, let the seed of joy begin to flourish and grow from this moment on. Cause your people to water it with praise, water it with thanksgiving. In all things, give thanks, because this is the will of God. So, Lord, in, I don't know how this works in the, di- the spiritual dimension, but I do know, I do know that something is being imparted right now. A spirit of depression is being broken. The cloud of darkness that has hovered over people is dispersed in the name of Jesus right now. And Lord, cause that from this moment, let them go back to this moment to realize something happened in my life. On the 5th of October, Sunday morning, when Ray Bevan prayed, something happened in my life. God began to recreate my chaotic, ugly, broken world into what he wants it to be. We give you praise and thanks. And everybody said, Amen. I give the Lord another hand clap right here.